Welcome in, everybody, to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast of Burn Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at burnorangenation.com. If you like what we do, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. It helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends wherever you found it, whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, anywhere where you find fine podcast content. You can find Kyle and myself. Connect with us on social media at LonghornPod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, the Longhorn Republic, or shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. My name is Gerald Goodridge, ever host this week, like I am every week, and I'm joined by a man who has never been so excited for a Saturday, Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? It's real. It's here. We've talked a lot about a 5-7 and seven team. We talked a lot about 2021. I'm excited <laughs> to talk, to look to the future, to talk. 2022 to have real tangible football results on American soil to to talk about and to uh, prognosticate and wildly overreact and exaggerate uh, about with you. So yeah, I, I I am I'm excited, Gerald. It is it is week one. It is real. It is college football. It is it is Big Twelve, SEC, Big Ten to some extent. The pack, uh, whatever number. They, it is uh, it, it it is the real deal. This felt like the longest, most off-seasoniest off-season that has ever off-season, and so I am just so <laughs> glad that this off-season was over. And the weird part is, like Texas had Texas had a decently solid off-season up until like the last two weeks of the off-season, which is pretty typical for what Texas put on the field last year. But you know, we finally got a game to talk about. ULM is on the schedule. So we're going to preview our ULM uh, like only we can. We'll do some Podstradamus updates. We've also got good friend of the show, Brett Wilkinson, coming on today to cue us up for the 2022-2023 Directors Cup run. Texas has a shot to three-peat. Suck at Stanford. So we'll talk to him about what Texas needs to do in 22-23 to get the three-peat. We've got some BOL. We'll probably take some shots at Casey Thompson. It's fine. Um, we'll obviously close the show out with some Godzilla-tron. Now, the ULM preview, Kyle, you and I, we struggle with the game one preview every year because it's like these are both different teams from last year, right? What mm -hmm. do we talk about? There's no stats. There's no trends. They haven't played against anybody in opposite color jerseys. Everybody put on good weight this offseason. Everybody mm -hmm. had really good work in the weight room. They're faster mm -hmm. than they've ever been. They're tougher than they've mm -hmm. ever been. The culture is at its peak since they've mm -hmm. been here. The young mm -hmm. guys are coming in and really raising all of the mm -hmm. ships and all of the other things. You know, you could win with every quarterback in the room, but this is the guy mm -hmm. we picked. I ran out of platitudes, but... <laughs> There's a, not a lot to compare. So we had a full preview of ULM 12 weeks ago on a Thursday. Uh, we, we'll uh, put the link in the show notes. You can check out a full ULM preview. We did like 30 minutes on them. But we're going to talk not necessarily about ULM and what they bring to the game, but like what are we going to see or what do we want to see from Texas out of this? Texas is favored by 38.5 points. As a comparison to last year, Texas was favored by 9.5 points against Louisiana. So... There's there's a difference in tone as we go into this. And so, Kyle, like, I think my first question is, what do you want to see from Texas in this game against ULM where they're, where they're such a uh, slanted favorite? Well, look, it, it, whew, uh, be careful being being too much of a favorite, right? Like, uh, they, they didn't finish strong. ULM, you know, finished four and eight. They came off an 0-10 season the year before, so that's improvement. But. Uh, the, uh, they beat Liberty last year and, and South Alabama. I mean, they started four and three and then lost their last five. Um, so Terry Bowden knows how to start strong, right? What do I want from Texas? Don't overlook this. Don't, you know, 
don't be working on week two. I, I won't throw any names out there, but there was a certain Texas high school football program with a ranking number next to its name uh, in the central Texas area that both Gerald and I attended that had had a really good season heading into the playoffs against the team in the first round who was significantly worse than them and looked ahead and started doing some scouting during the week for a local rival who would be the theoretical week two opponent in the playoffs and lost as a top 10 ranked team in the state of Texas in the first round of the playoffs. I'm not going to say that it was the high school that Gerald and I went to the year that I was a senior. I won't say that. And I won't talk about, you know, how egregious that coaching job was, but you don't want to look ahead, Gerald. You don't ever want to overestimate any opponent. So show up, execute, you know, uh, what would presumably will be a, a slightly pared down playbook, um, be the better athlete, do your assignment football, do your job, make the tackles, don't miss them, catch the balls that are thrown your way, make your blocks, um, get in, get a, get a lead so you can, tons of guys can play um, and leave healthy, right? This may be our only, and again, I don't want to say it after I just gave that whole preface, but it may be our only comfortable game all year. It may be our only easy game. That's not to say we won't win a bunch, um, but if you just look at it on paper, this might be the only one that's truly easy the entire season. Remember. Kansas beat us and, and was one bogus penalty away from beating OU last year, right? Like there is no easy game in the big 12. Um, be healthy because you, your starters are out in the third quarter with a, you know, four score plus lead uh, execute, get that, that, that muscle memory of beating up on dudes. Cause you know, it's going to be, it's going to be a, a much different story in week two. So really just get out healthy and, you know, do the things you need to do to get, the two, three, and fours on the field, right? Like you need a game where you blow somebody out and you get those guys in, and this might be that only game. Yeah, I think for for me, like I want Texas to come out and look like Texas, right? I remember you know, when when players talk to the media and, and in front of cameras, I was like, you know, we take every take every team as a, a true threat and blah, 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 blah. And then like you talk to them in class and they're like, yeah, I knew I wouldn't be playing by seven minutes into the second quarter. Like that's what I want Texas uh, to feel like after this game. Before this game, I want them to go in and actually and like take take them seriously and really focus in on it. But like I want them to walk away from this game feeling like – and, and this might take some people back. I remember in 2005 when watching Texas like just plow through non-conference, and like mm. it like the games were barely worth going to because Texas would be up by 30 before you before you got your butt in a seat, right? Like before you we stopped sweating, which you never really stopped sweating, but before you were like settled in and you finally like got to the right section of the student section, Texas was up by 30 points, and like that to me is what I want to see from this. I want I want Jonathan Brooks to have 25 carries. Like that's what I want to see. I want. Jonathan Brooks to have to, I want Jaden Blue to, to get a 25% of his red shirt games out of the way because Texas is ahead so much. I want to see whoever the third string court, Malik Murphy, get in and get some snaps in this game. Like, that's what I want to see from Texas. And I say all that to say, if those things happen, Texas came in and did what Texas should do in this type of game. And we've seen it where Texas plays down to its opponent in some games and didn't happen as much last year because Texas absolutely leaned on Louisiana in, in a way that was shocking, right? That was the worst Louisiana looked all year. Um, the, probably the best Texas looked all year, but that's a separate conversation. Mm. Um, but like Texas should come in and be able to just lean on these dudes and really look like the bully that, that Texas should be when they go into these games. 
And what I want to see from Texas fans is not overreacting. If that situation happens, Gerald, and we do, you know, cover the over of 38.5 uh, points. Um, so that's six scores. Um, if we cover that, let's please, please, please not um, like don't put a mortgage on Texas covering 10 points against Bama or whatever that line shrinks to. If we, uh, if, if we look good it may happen, it very well may, but it's, it's just, just be cautious. Don't overreact. It doesn't mean we're going to win a national championship. If we look good, if we look bad, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, that could be another story. If it is a, a 10 point game against ULM, then, then it, it could be a very long season. Um, but again, hopefully this is a game where you, you not only get to know the, the mythical uh, too deep, uh, of Texas, but you also get to understand the threes, the fours, and see some of those promising freshmen. For those of us that are worried, for those of you, I'm not, but for those of you that are worried about the depth chart, hopefully you get to see the depth chart in action <laughs> on Saturday. So uh, when we think about this, like what's one player or one thing that you want to see pop as Texas takes on what probably should be a significantly outmatched opponent? There's a lot of talent in the offensive line room and a lot of it's young. So I'd like to see that. But I, I actually think if you if you force me to pick one one area, I'm I'm more interested in seeing the defensive line. Like I would like to see a defensive front that holds against the run and doesn't let, you know, what what is gonna be one of the lesser running games, not one of the worst in the country. I mean, they're 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 decent. Um, but with a quarterback who can run as well. But you know, one of the lesser running games, certainly that they'll face all year if they can hold that up. And then if they can get pressure, can they start to develop that 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 edge rush? Can they start to get, you know, pressure on a quarterback? Can they can they keep a quarterback who who likes to run in the in the pocket? Um and and you know, an easy way to do that is by, you know, beating your man and, and collapsing that pocket, right? Um as an edge rusher. So can Texas get the pressure that they so desperately have lacked? you know the, the past few years but certainly last year um so i'm watching the defensive line in this one like can they can they move people we already know that this, if there ever was one that's not a true depth chart this is the ones this is the two it's probably that defensive line group which against alabama you're going to see in that heat seven or eight guys playing and in the big 12 you know as people get nicked and bruised and scraped there's going to be a rotation of seven or eight guys all year um so it's not just the ones it's can every unit that goes in that's up every quarter uh, first, second, third and fourth quarter. Can the defensive line be um, a presence? You know, can they move offensive linemen out of the way? Can they make tackles when they need to? Can they set the edge? Can they get pressure? All the things that, you know, we, we really want to want to see um, and, and and that will enable our linebackers to, to play hair on fire or labor our, our defensive, uh, you know, backfield to make plays uh, truly can can they set. Uh, in the first game of the season, can they set a bit of a tone? Yeah, I think on that same tone or on that same note, I'm really looking for the offensive line to like absolutely look dominant. Like I'm, I'm just going to be completely honest with you. When I talked about Texas leaning on teams, I specifically was thinking about the offensive linemen <laughs> literally leaning on these defensive linemen. Like if you cannot be dominant against ULM and this ULM is a fine program, but like ULM was like two and six last year in conference. Like they were not a good football team. They're not projecting to be a good football team again. Like you should be able to at the university of Texas, the level of talent that you have guys like, and especially the young guys, like I want to see, it seems like Kelvin banks is probably going to be the starter at left tackle. Like I want to see him just look like the mauler he was on Friday nights a year ago. Like if you've got those young guys in there, I want to see them absolutely dominate because you know who's on the horizon will anderson and the alabama crimson 
and tied. So, like, if you struggle, if you cannot be flat dominant against a team like ULM, when the tide comes to town, it's going to get nasty. It's going to get ugly. Like, there's a legit shot that Will Anderson wins the Heisman based upon what he does in Austin if the offensive line isn't able to look good this weekend and build some sort of momentum, build some sort of camaraderie, build some sort of uh, something against uh, the ULM group. Uh, so I, I agree with you completely, Gerald. I think I think you need to see that group shine. Um, th- so one of the things that I look for in these in these out of conference early season games is is a storyline, and we obviously are going to be watching Texas players, Texas youth, Texas depth chart, maybe down ballot, uh, down depth chart guys if they're going to rise to the occasion. When you look across, there's players we could talk about, and again, I do recommend go listen to our our ULM preview um to to get some more depth there but the the most interesting story to me is the man lining up across from steve sarkeesian right if there's a knock on sark it's he hasn't been that long of a head coach hasn't had you know years and years of documented success but one guy who's been doing this gig a long time is the coach directly across from him terry bowden right so terry bowden son of bobby bowden um interesting interesting cat uh he he you know played football for for his dad um was at West Virginia and then followed him to Florida State as a GA. He actually got his law degree while at Florida State. So good on you. Um, but then he became the youngest head coach in the nation with something called Salem. Um, and while at Salem, he met a young quarterback. And that quarterback um, didn't follow him to his next place, which was Akron for a year as OC. But then he became head coach again at Samford, Samford being uh, also in Alabama. I believe it's in Birmingham. Um, And this quarterback uh, who had come from Clemson and then to Salem found his way to Samford. Of course, you know who I'm talking about now. The quarterback whisperer of all quarterback whisperers, Jimbo Fisher. Jimbo Fisher was recruited by Terry Bowden to come (laughs) play uh, at Salem in West Virginia, then followed him to Samford. And somehow these two bumpkins are both uh, coaches at the division one level 20, 30, was that 38 years later? Um, so, you know, pretty crazy small world of Jimbo Fisher. He did it once with Jameis, but is the quarterback whisperer. Then his coach who he played quarterback for would be the quarterback whisperer whisperer. So <laughs> don't underestimate the quarterback play for ULM with the quarterback whisperer whisperer as his coach. That's the Terry Bowden six degrees of separation. I love it. I love it. Kyle. I think it's time. Our first Podstradamus prediction of the year. So if you don't know mm-hmm. how this works, so each and every week, Kyle and I will make two predictions, and we will uh, keep score. Now, the funny part about this is I'm terrible at predictions, and Kyle <laughs> finds a way to hedge his bets enough to always get them right because that's how this works. But it becomes a running gag. And about week six, we stop keeping score because I get too specific. Kyle's not specific enough, and so somehow he's up by like six, like, like three games in. But it's fine. It is what it is. Kyle, what's your first Podstradamus prediction of 2022? Gerald, in the spirit of friendship, I'm going to be specific. I'm going to be specific. You're going to say, you picked a number out of a hat, Kyle. How is this specific? But I'm going to be specifically specific. Gerald, Texas will rush for more than 200 yards. And you say, okay, great, Kyle. You picked a number that's very round 200 yards. No, Gerald. Texas had had rushing yards of 170, 139, 427, 336, 227, 128, 138, 102, 104, 164, 203, 209, which averages out to 
199.33 yards per game. So Texas <laughs> will start the year with more rushing yards than last season's average, even with uh, some young guys on the line. So Texas will have over 200 yards rushing. I like it. I like it as a team. I love it. So my Podstradamus prediction is that three different Texas Longhorn receivers will have a receiving touchdown. Now, it doesn't mean if it's the first team or the second team, but three different tech could be a tight end. Three different Texas Longhorns will have a receiving touchdown in this game. I like that. Um, could be multiple quarterbacks to throw to him. Who knows? Could be Bijan. Like, could be Roshan. Could, could be Keelan. I, I, I like the idea. Keep Alabama on their toes. Run exclusively Wildcat in the second half of this one. Let them prepare for that and then don't show it the next week. No, I like where your head's at. Um, all right, Gerald. So I'm going to flip it over to the defensive side um, for for the the next prediction. And I feel like we always get pulled into the trap of of takeaways. And so I'm going to I'm going to shy away from takeaways, though. I, I hear we have some playmakers in the offseason. I'm going to go back to my, my earlier comment about who I want to see take a stand in this one. And so I think Texas is going to have three sacks of the quarterback or more. Now, Texas didn't do that a lot last year. Um, they did not do that in very many games at all. But I'm I'm putting myself out there in the spirit of letting Gerald hopefully stick around in this competition for a while <laughs> and in putting my hopes that Texas really sets the edge. Three sacks of the Louisiana Monroe quarterback. Okay. That's usually one that seemed to bite me in the keister last year, but um, maybe maybe one day I'll learn. Now, mine, uh, for the defensive side of things, ULM last year averaged 20.9 points per game on offense. 20.9 points per game. I think Texas is going to hold ULM to 21 total points. I think Texas is going to give up 21 points or fewer three touchdowns or fewer to ULM in this contest. Can I can I can I push your number to uh you know if they average 20 that we hold them in the teens or, or under? Can I can I push that you, number to you, 19? You want to go 20, 20 and a half? <laughs> yeah, okay, you know, like it's it's you know, if they if they hit their average from last year, what did Texas really do? You know, can they can they beat that? <laughs> we'll 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 do the we'll do the 20 and a half over under 20 right. and a half points See, per This game. is this is why Kyle wins this every year. It's all about you know you got to you got to hold them to this. You got to you got to have some. <laughs> so I'm sorry, Joe, but you're fine. It's fun. This is all for fun. Uh, it is what it is. So our predictions again: Texas will have more than 200 total rushing yards and three sacks, according to Kyle. I think that Texas will have three different players with a receiving touchdown, and Texas will allow fewer than 20 and a half points per game or points in this game so we'll be back we'll have an instant reaction for you saturday after the game that'll hit twitter and facebook and we'll also uh, have it in the podcast feed uh sunday morning for you and then we'll be back on tuesday with our full recap and just a quick note this interview was recorded on monday evening with our guest and friend of the show brett wilkerson who runs the director's cup date twitter account giving you your director's cup updates and we asked him about what sports texas could add in order to uh, pad the resume a little bit for the the director's cup standings and he mentions that one of the low-hanging fruit for them would be adding sand volleyball well about 12 hours after we recorded this interview the university officially announced that yep they are actually adding 
sand volleyball as another sport. So Brett continues to be the patron Podstradamus for us. So we may actually have to name that segment from him, but enjoy the rest of the interview and check out the other sports he mentions for the university to help on the athletic side. So with the 2020 to 2023 academic and athletic season underway, Texas coming off back-to-back Director's Cup wins. We had to bring the man himself behind the Director's Cup dates account. The Director's Cup dater himself, Brett Wilkinson, is here with us. We're going to talk a little bit of uh, what Texas needs to do to repeat. But, Brett, man, how are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me back. Do you feel that the newfound fame of running a highly successful nationally um, retweeted Twitter account has gone to your head? Do you feel different? Or are you still the same old Brett who who it, started here months ago? Uh, it, no, it, it changes a man for sure. So uh, <laughs> I feel like a different man today for sure. Understood. Well, yeah, we, we see the like Maserati behind your shoulder. Uh, so is <laughs> well, it's a podcast and so not everyone can see that, but obviously it's there. It's there. <laughs> oh man. Awesome. Well, Brett, we, we've had you on a couple of times, you know, and you kept us up to date and abreast of all the things that are going on. Texas officially has kicked off the volleyball and soccer seasons. Cross country kicking off today as you're listening to this podcast. And obviously football starts on Saturday. We say all these things to say that Texas is coming off of um, another successful academic or athletic year winning a director's cup. And, and um, so as we look forward to, to 2022, um, Brett, like when you think about Texas repeating and like what they need to do, like, can you give us just a high level? Like what does Texas need to do to, to bring home the third straight? Yeah, I, I think you have to look at two different things. One is the competition aka Stanford. They they are the competition for this until proven otherwise. Um, they they were second place the first year, put their 25 straight championships together, and then have been second the last two. So they're the they're the gold standard for competition until proven otherwise. I think we need to see them continue to struggle a little bit. Um, I, I know they've had some upheaval in their athletic department, and I think that's opened the door for Texas um, to, to take advantage. So uh, that's something to watch. You know, what does Stanford athletic department do going forward? Um, but then other than that, all Texas can really do is take care of ourselves. So um, the big things to watch throughout the entire year is, you know, you can't take zeros. So if you have more than two or three sports miss out on the postseason, Texas has that, that's just too much of a battle at that point. So you got you have to have your teams making the postseason, um, paying attention to the four mandatory counter sports. So that's volleyball, both basketball teams and baseball. Fortunately for Texas, you know, four sports that you feel pretty good about every year. Baseball got a little iffy midseason last year, but they pulled it out. So, you know, those are four sports that we don't worry too much about, but definitely something to, to pay attention to. Um, and then, you know, Texas averaged a sixth place finish in all of their sports last year, which is just mind boggling. Um, but it's kind of what's necessary. So as you're seeing finishes come in for Texas, I would say as long as they're averaging about eighth place, they're going to be highly competitive. So that's something to look for big picture throughout the year. Lots of high level finishes, avoid the zeros, and that's going to give Texas a chance. So when you talk about the zeros, right, I, I think it's important to spell that math out a little bit for our, uh, for our listeners. So how many zeros did Texas have last year? How many, you know, 
How many can they afford and still win based on recent history? Uh, I think the best way to say it from a Texas <laughs> perspective is they had zero zeros end up on their score sheet. Uh-huh. They did have one zero <laughs> that got excluded, and that was from um, the football team. Right. Nobody wants to talk about that. Right. But that was the only zero. Now, you only count 19 sports. Texas has 20. Okay. So football was number 20 on the list, so it got excluded. We don't have to talk about right. it. But right. There was only one zero that we took last year. Okay. So that's that's the good thing to know is that you get one basically freebie. We don't want to use it, right? We want to score our 19 highest as opposed to our 19 that, that have a score. Exactly. And, yeah, Texas gets one mulligan, and then we're up against teams like Stanford that get 12 mulligans. Right. So that's the uphill battle that we, we start off with. So when you talk about the uphill battle, like – Texas just doesn't have as many opportunities to score points or as many opportunities to kind of pitch one back um, and do it again. So we'll come to that in a minute. But as we think about it, like Texas, we know last year the rowing team got Texas a, a big first place finish. But like what else do we want to watch for in the fall? Obviously, the number one team, uh, the rowing team is going to hopefully repeat. But like what else are we looking for in the fall? How can Texas uh, kind of kind of improve its standing there? So I think in the fall, I, I, I look at the fall like uh, this is a mile-long race, and, and Texas paces itself in that first lap around the track. Um, we are not going to be in first place at the end of fall. These are not our best sports. We only compete in five sports in the fall. So as long as we're staying within striking distance of the other teams, um, but honestly, we could finish the fall in 15th, 20th, 20th place, and it doesn't matter. I think mostly I want to see Texas competing with itself in the fall. Um, and the big question I'm, I'm going to have is can Texas outpace themselves from last year? Can Texas beat their finishes from last year? So can football be bowl eligible? Right. You know, beat Kansas, be bowl eligible. <laughs> Let's do it. Um, women's cross country, they sent one runner to the uh, national championship, which was good enough to get us 30 seconds place can we qualify a cross-country team on the women's side can the men's cross-country team do better than 14th women's soccer i think we have a strong soccer team can they win their first tournament match uh in the last like five years that would be an improvement over last year and then volleyball it was an upset in the elite eight can they can they avoid the upset in the elite eight you know which is crazy to say but that the strength of that team so final four championship that's an improvement i think all five teams could be better than they were last year and that just puts us in a better spot going into the spring so if, if you needed another um another reason to start watching uh cross country other than the fact that they open with the tornado watch invitational you hear it right there folks we need to improve in both the men's and women's because those count. If you are a true Texas fan who is rooting for a three-peat of the Director's Cup, you got to follow uh, all of these uh, closely. So an, an interesting thought exercise, Brett, we we, we had, had chatted offline about a bit. Um, Stanford has 12 extra sports, right? They, they have a lot more than Texas, a lot more wiggle room. So we know Crystal Condry good friend of the podcast he's always you know texting us dming us asking if he can come on the podcast you know all that stuff um so he's probably listening uh, tonight to this so if you think you're just talking directly to our guy cdc um 
if you're pitching Chris for the easiest like points on the you know the low hanging fruit, we're gonna start this sport. We're gonna go out. We'll add points to us. Where where should Texas expand? Yeah, Chris, I've tried to make this easy for you. You know, a few things to think about. Like it has to make sense for geography. We're not adding ice hockey. Sorry, Mike Roach. <laughs> not adding skiing. I think you want to pick a sport where we're instantly competitive. So you don't want to throw your throw your hat in the ring of one of these uber competitive sports, men's soccer, lacrosse, um, wrestling. You know, there are powerhouse programs. You don't necessarily want to have to fight that battle up front. Chris, I'm making it cheap for you. I know people tweet at you all the time. Like, we got to get, you know natural grass on the football field, whereas our practice facility, look, these are going to be cheap sports. So small rosters, not a lot of facilities. And then, you know, title nine, we got to think about that too. So I've covered all the bases here. Okay. Um, and, and three sports that I'll mention from least likely to most likely. The first one I'd say is beach volleyball. Ooh. Now you need 10, you have 10 women competing um, in any tournament. So it's a, it's a bigger roster. You probably need 20 competitors. You got to build some beach volleyball courts. Um, you know, I'm thinking Jared Elliott, like, can he have some girls pull double duty for us Mm. do indoor and beach? I don't know. Maybe that would be cool to see. Um, and, and the kicker with this one is, uh, TCU started a program when CDC was the athletic director. So he has experience. He hired their coach. They're actually really good. So just still steal the TCU coach, their players. <laughs> there we go. There we go. They, they were a two seed in the tournament last year. So that's easy money right there. There you go. There you go. So, um, you know, just replicate the TCU model for beach volleyball. We're good to go. Um, rifle. Yes, rifle is an NCAA sport. You need five competitors. It's co-ed, so that's beautiful. And I guess you need like a gun range, which I'm sure there's probably a couple of gun ranges in the Central Texas area. Just a couple. <laughs> Easy. The the competitive teams are you know the the um, uh, the military schools, of course. But other than that, there's not a ton of competition. That seems pretty easy, straightforward. And then uh, bowling. Again, it's the women's sport. You need five competitors. The big dogs are schools that everyone's heard of, like McKendry, who oh, won yeah. the championship this past year. Um, maybe a few years ago, um, our Texas listeners might remember SFA won the championship. So if you're telling me Texas can't jump in the the bowling pool and start competing with the likes of McKendry, SFA, and you know SEC bottom feeders like Vanderbilt, like. That seems like instant success right there. Do they still have the bowling alley in the in the bottom of the uh, the student union? Is that still a thing? Because like the facility's already there, right? <laughs> I, I hope they do. We spent a lot of time there. Definitely did some intramural bowling down there. I don't think it's there anymore. Oh man! But shows how, how long since yeah we've been on campus. But again, I mean, it feels like an easy thing to build and and you know yeah let's let's give the kids some bowling uh opportunities maybe you kill two birds with one stone um just want to point out 
uh, our good friends on the Smoking Musket, uh, you know, they, they are actually good friends. They're your frequent social media interactors. Um, they they are they are, you know, very big. West Virginia, I know, is a is a rifle school. I think they won mm-hmm. like five straight national championships in the in the aughts. Um, so you have a, a built in rival right there. Again, not necessarily close, but you're talking Big 12 um, and, and someone who, uh, you know, I, I think would, would welcome us there. TCU uh, also won in 2019 a national championship but this is this is um brett you are you are you're making a very compelling argument i'm going to speak chris if that's okay i'm going to speak for uh mr del conte and just say i i think you know, let's go ahead and green light all three of these yeah just tweet at i think he's like obligated to respond to every fan <laughs> tweet that gets sent his way so it feels like he picks like the worst ones to respond to it's like the weirdest <laughs> most random awkwardly aggressive and it's just it's fun not all of them are but like so i'm just like why why did you pick that one but uh brett like thank you so much for coming in in, and helping us out now um you've got the director's cup dates it's been um on hiatus in the off season a little bit you haven't been doing as much but now that the season's up man where where can folks follow your your incredible work yeah um follow me at uh, at direct underscore cup dates um, and I, I'm pretty excited for this season. Um, going to start tracking from day one. Going to track the scores for all teams as they roll in. I've got the Excel spreadsheet ready to go. Love it. So it, it's going to be a lot more content coming out um, this year and, and a lot more stats and data that I can do uh, collecting the data from from the jump. Well, I, I'm sure the fans of, of Texas, of TCU, of all the schools you named, obviously of uh, McKendree, uh, which, uh, you know, the fighting, uh, we all know the fighting McKendree uh, kindergartners. So we, uh, oh, we, you, McKindergartners, <laughs> we, we will, uh, you will be, you will be a, a national uh, name director's cup dates before uh, it's all said and done. But we're happy to be the place where it all started, where we knew Brett before, uh, you know, he was too big time. Yeah. So thanks for having me, guys. I, I really enjoyed it. It's always a pleasure. All right, Gerald, let's take a look, as Director's Cup does, at the full world through burnt orange lenses now. Uh, let's let's have a quick chat here, Gerald. This is not one that I necessarily bring any joy to, but it is, you know, we, we, we track what happens when players leave the 40 acres. You know, we, we looked at what Shane Bouchel was doing at SMU. We look, obviously, what players do in the pros. Um, a quarterback who, who maybe has a slightly different um, reputation and fan base in the in the city of Austin than he did a few months ago. Um, Casey Thompson, Gerald, in a, in a, in a, a weird turn of events uh, that that I originally I, I think had tweeted sometime in the off season that that Casey Thompson will start his uh, his his next season playing for Nebraska in Ireland, a statement that didn't make sense, you know, four, four years ago, one year ago, or today, um, but. I feel like, as as Guy Clark said in his his epic uh, Dublin blues, that um, Casey may have wished he was in Austin at the Chili Parlor bar drinking Mad Dog margaritas and and remembering where he was. I, I, Gerald, you watched that game. I watched that game. It wasn't. It was week zero. Um, how much do you think Casey ultimately? disappointed the young child who loves cone 
Um, he definitely upset that young man. By the way, if you're not terminally online, you probably don't get that. But it's fine. That like the they had the Jews. They did the <laughs> especially in the first half. The wildest thing to me about this game was that you had people saying the dumbest stuff. Somebody actually said that Casey Thompson will have a better year than any Texas quarterback in the first half of the game because he was dealing 230 yards and a touchdown in the first half. If he played at that level all game, Nebraska wins by like three scores, right? But the forget the fact that he's surrounded by Nebraska talent and coached by Jesse Plemons doing a bad Robert De Niro impression. <laughs> like, Scott Frost might be bottom third F FBS coach. Like, you're not at UCF. Like, what are you doing kicking that onside field goal? Like, I, the, the on-air talent was questioning him. And they are very rarely the types to be like, I don't know about that. But literally, on-air, they said, I don't know about that. And that's where the game slipped. And then Casey, and, and again, this is, we... We are not the type to like throw shade at, at kids once they leave because they left Texas. I, I'm frustrated with some of the ways that Casey has communicated about his time at the University of Texas um, post-leaving, and he kind of always had this contentious relationship. He's in the portal multiple times. It is what it is. But like Casey Thompson was the Casey Thompson we saw a year ago, right? And there was a lot of conversation about, oh, it's his thumb. And you and I were big Casey apologists last year because he, the yeah. guy came went out there and put his, his, his heart out there. But it was Casey Thompson we saw a year ago. Great in the first half. Couple of backbreaking turnovers in the second half. Nothing, nothing new about that. That was that was 2022 Texas in a nutshell. And so, like that to me, um, it was super. Not vindicating is not the right word, but like it was cathartic for me to see mm -hmm. everybody that was gassing up how bad it was for Texas to let this kid leave and how poorly he was treated at Texas. Um, for them to like dance on Texas's grave in the first half, because guys, let's remember Northwestern is also a terrible football team. So like, Correct. not only was it Nebraska's terrible, ne Northwestern and Nebraska were two of the worst teams in the country last year. Like terrible football mm -hmm. teams. Both of them are terrible coach. And again, like that's the context that wasn't happening in that conversation. And so it's just very cathartic for me to, to see that happen. Yeah, the the you you texted me at one point the third and ball game and Thompson took a sack. Um, where have I seen that before? And it, it's true, right? Like that was great on Northwestern bringing their first blitz to the game. But yeah, they sat back, kind of let Thompson do what he did. They didn't pressure him all game. The first time they pressured him in a key situation, it was a sack. Um, Northwestern, then the most conservative play calling team of all time, um, gave the ball back and gave them a chance. But you know, it worked out. They 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 did what they needed again because Casey threw two interceptions was eight for 18 in the second half. Um, I hope that means that he takes that with him and that's not Texas symptom this year. Um, Scott Frost has lost so many close games and Thompson lost so many close games with Texas that I do legitimately fear that it's going to be a long season for both of them. Maybe Thompson's will be longer in case Frost <laughs> doesn't remain employed by his alma mater. Um, but nonetheless, uh, just a really tough thing. But you know, the other almost Longhorn. It came down to Texas and uh, Nebraska a player who people were watching was, was Oshawn Mathis. And because the game was played in Ireland, I suggested that might be O apostrophe Sean um, to, to, to endear him to the locals, but I, I didn't see that on the, the roster. Um, but he looked kind of absent and I had some uh, TCU fans tweet at me and say, yeah, basically he bullied up against Texas tech and Kansas, um, which I would love to have someone who could bully Kansas, but, uh, and, and did a lot of his work last year against uh, those teams. So it'll be interesting. 
I still think Oshawn Mathis has his NFL upside, uh, but interesting to see where he, you know, how his season plays out as someone who, again, whatever butterfly effect didn't uh, end up at, at Texas. But anyways, that's not a non-Texas game. We don't have to spend too much more time, but it was week zero and that was a prominent game uh, being played over there in Ireland. So we all, many of us, I think, watched it. Uh, it's because it's college football season, but uh, there is a bit of college football related um, news to cover, and the first of which, uh, Texas-related, is that uh, offensive lineman Jalen Garth has entered the transfer portal, and this is one of those things that I think really big recruit was a four-star back in his day, had some injuries, just so all the influx of young guys, the guys that are Sark and Flood guys, maybe got passed up on the depth chart, saw the writing on the wall, and, and decided to make this decision so no ill will there but does sound like Jalen Garth may be searching for for other pastures yeah and you know he's a he's a guy who that that 2019 class um you know off like offensive line recruiting was just so weird under Herb Hand and Jalen Garth is a kid that like battled injuries he was a guy who you know came in with with potential pro prospect he's got a pro frame he's like six five long arms like he's a guy who I like thought had an opportunity to really be good. He got, again, he got hit by the injury bug and he got hit by Herb Hans coaching. And so like there, <laughs> there's that uh, behind the eight ball. And there are the shows, those dudes that need a change of scenery to really get, to get acclimated and get back with things we've seen in, you know, in other sports and we've seen people um, have great careers after they leave tech. I mean, you talk about Garrett Gilbert needed a change of scenery, went to SMU, ended up playing for the Patriots and air quotes, winning a Super Bowl. right? You see Shane Bouchelle needed a change of scenery and ended up setting records at SMU. Like there, there are these opportunities out there and you and I, again, we're in spite of what we just talked about, there are extenuating circumstances there. Anytime a kid wants to leave Texas, like, do what you need to do. You only have so many years of football in your body. And so anything you need to do to maximize that, like once they're done, they're done. So like, go do what you need to do, man. We are uh, hoping and cheering that you can find a spot that works for you. The hardest position in the you know game to, to project uh, Garth was actually recruited by flood. Um, looking at his two, four, seven flood and banks were his recruiters at Alabama, Texas beat Bama for him. But again, a, P- a Port Natchez Grove kid with Roshan on the roster. It made sense. Um, you hate to see that it didn't work out. He was a top 20 offensive tackle in that class. Um, he's got the talent. Just can he get healthy and put it together somewhere else? We'll be rooting for him. And then Gerald, <laughs> one that just feels so perfectly specific and special. And we always, when we have guests on talk about other schools and their dream on NIL pairings, for some reason, Texas and Wranglers just feels so right. feels so easy. We have guys like DeMarvey and Overton out from East Texas who've been rocking Wranglers and cowboy hats and boots their whole life. And guys like Quinn Ewers who just, you know, if it's, if it's in the dirty clothes, then he will wear it. Um, it seems like maybe his, his own, his pair of Wranglers for good luck that he hasn't washed since he was 14. But um, it just feels like a pretty perfect pairing. And it, it extends beyond just the the football players. This is the university. Uh, so we saw, I think, uh, Lauren Burke and maybe some of the other female athletes as well uh, as a part of this NIL deal with uh, Wranglers. So really, really just cool. And again, it feels like Texas is probably, you know, the perfect, uh, the perfect school for it. 
I mean, I came out of I came out of a meeting and saw that saw a picture of Demarvin Overshone and Quinn Ewers rocking like Texas branded Wrangler stuff, and like they need to bring back. If if you're old enough to remember this, there was a I was talking to Doc Texas about it on Twitter. Like there was a Colt McCoy and Jordan Shipley like hunting thing they did on LHN, and like uh-huh. get, get Quinn and Demo and Brendan Thompson is a big hunter and fisher. Like he has like Texas branded Columbia stuff that he wears. Like have Wrangler sponsor that show on LHN. Give us like 30 minutes of off season content. Like. I I would love to see that. But again, University of Texas continues to be a brand that moves the needle. There's a reason why like Wrangler is one of the biggest things in this kind of like casual Western wear type space. And like, there's a reason why University of Texas is one of the places that they sponsored uh, or they, they partnered with. So I, again, I'm excited to see the athletes get this opportunity. Uh, go out your get you some, ra- if you're not the, uh, if you're not into the Lululemon partnership that the University of Texas has, <laughs> Wrangler might be more your speed. <laughs> if if you want hard pants or soft pants, we have you covered. I think it ultimately just confirms Quinn Ewers will follow Brett Favre into the NFL Hall of Fame because, you know, that's the most famous Wranglers commercial is Brett Favre casually playing football in the yard in his Wranglers. Um, let's take it off of the grass onto the hardwood. Uh, basketball announced kind of their final changes with some, uh, we wondered, exact uh coaching staff would be with some some coaches leaving the end of, of last year and, and during this offseason. Um, basically, you had one known and one new, Bob Dunwald, who served as the assistant uh, to the head coach um, in the Dwight Schrute-like capacity, is now just assistant coach, uh, got the promotion. Steve McClain hired as the new special assistant to the head coach. And, and the same thing with Dunwald, who's coached national teams as well as professional in both America and abroad, bringing McClay and a guy with head coaching experience. It's always great to get these guys on the staff who just have done it. Like I think Chris Beard has a philosophy that he likes these guys on his staff who've been head coaches so he can bounce stuff off of them, see what their ideas are about program building, team building, some of the stuff. He's going to be the head coach, but I think Beard is is um, eager to hear what other people have to say. So interesting addition. Um, I like it. Anytime you get a head coach on the staff, uh, and don't have to, you know, have an extra assistant coach position. It works for me. This is kind of like the the new model, like getting these guys that have uh, head coaching experience. And you know, Chris Beard, I, I, at some point, I think Chris Beard's going to have to get to like the CEO level of coaching. And I think that's what he's trying mm-hmm. to do with a lot, especially his recruiting staff. And, you know, we saw that go a little bit weird this last year, but that's fine. But like Chris Beard, especially um, is going to have to get to like a C and that's what it really takes at Texas. I think to be successful in one of these big programs, it's like you fill your staff with killers and you kind of rise above and do all of the other stuff that's required of you. Um, and like, you know, being, being the statesman and meeting with all the right people and shaking the right hands and kissing the right babies and all of that. And it's dumb that it, that it is that, um, but heavy is the head that wears the crown. And so this is another one of those that could really, I think uh, be a shot in the arm to the staff that, that needs to, uh, it feels weird to say get over the hump in year two, but you definitely don't go out and hire Chris Beard to not like make a deep run in the tournament. Yeah, I have a stat that I'm saving for our basketball preview that I'm excited about has to do with the attendance numbers for Texas. Um, but Beard has been doing he literally their videos and uh, Texas social media continues to be amazing. But the men's basketball feed is great because Beard's like a dork. He's quirky and interesting, and I just I like it. Um, but there he was with some of the the student managers um, on campus, just greeting players, asking if they were going to be uh, at the basketball games. And he he said, "This guy will literally give you the shirt off your back. You want a polo or you want a t shirt?" 
Uh, and he's like, Polo. And the guy took his shirt off and gave it to him. And he's like, now you're a Texas. And he said, I'm a Texas fan for life or basketball fan for life. It's it's weird and it's quirky, but it's also exactly Chris Beard. And I kind of love it. So, yeah, you're right. Go out now. He's really leaning into doing fan appreciation and outreach. And you can have a guy who is assistant under Tom Crean the past two years at UGA, but has been a head coach um, at two different places for 40 years at coach, you know, on your staff with some other guys with Rodney Terry, Brandon Chapel guys who are, you know, both young and experienced, good combination. So basketball will be coming soon enough. Uh, exciting times, but softball, a sport we were all watching to the very end, thrilled with the run to the championship game had a few players who just completed a professional season. We're huge fans of the Athletes Unlimited um, League. There's also this year the Women's Professional Fast Pitch League, WPF in Texas, had players in each. Uh, Mary Iacopo, uh, I think had a birthday yesterday, happy birthday, uh, earlier this week, um, in the WPF, and then Nadia Taylor, Janae Jefferson, and shannon rhodes all in the athletes unlimited and shannon rhodes who took a year off uh for this past season but was on the 2021 team uh was actually named the athletes unlimited rookie of the year the reason why we love the things like athletes unlimited uh and these new leagues that are popping up is like there are players like you know mary iacopo or you know all these janae jefferson that probably would have a professional career in sports that did not have professional um league options domestically that have to go overseas or somewhere else to play. And so now getting being able to do that for at least part of the year in the United States is a big deal. And so, again, it's wild to me how elite the non-football schools have been over the last decade. And, again, this is another example of, like, top-tier talent that has come out of Texas uh, that, that is doing incredible things at the next level. I love it. Gerald, let's wrap this bad boy up with a little Godzilla-tron. What are you watching on your giant screen? So my wife and I somehow like we just got busy. We had a kid in there somewhere and like we never finished the first season of Only Murders in the Building. And if you haven't watched that show, it's really funny. Steve Martin, Martin Short can't don't miss. Right. Selena Gomez. My big issue is like it's hard for me just to not see Selena Gomez being Selena Gomez. Like that's my only big issue with the show. Uh, But it's like it's an incredible mystery. It's really funny. Again, like you put Steve Martin and Martin Short in a in a black box and I'm going to laugh. So very funny. Um it goes against type a little for both. I get Martin Short's probably pretty on type, but Steve Martin's a little less on type. He does play kind of the big doof that he does sometimes, but I, I loved it. It's a fun little murder mystery. It pokes fun at like, you know, the, the uh, true crime prod- podcast scene that everybody loves. Um, so it's absolutely dumb. Uh, it's so much fun. We, we just finished season one. We're about to, we're about to start season two and dive in. Uh, I'm rewatching. I, I always need these, like what I call sweatpants shows during football season. Cause they get really busy with stuff. And so I'm going, back through and rewatching the star wars clone wars cartoons super fun like it's it's just good stuff and it gets really really good toward the end it's not a light watch toward the end but there's some really fun star warsy stuff in there and then uh, i actually have this week off from work and i've got i bought a switch a little bit ago and so i'm a big zelda fan and so i'm trying to play as much breath of the wild this week as i can because i don't get to play it on the weekends as much because as soon as i like bust out a video game my five-year-old's like let me play and so like i need to be able to do that while he's not around so that's been my week I like the uh, someone who doesn't have kids yet. I like the the strategies for sneaking in some video games because I you know that's important. Um, Gerald, I love only murders in the building. I'm I'm about three quarters of the way through the second season, and I will tell you that I won't go into detail until I finish it. But the second season seems uh, really good as well. It's a great show. Um, I watched two shows this week that are both new. They're both comedies, but 
They are very different. I recommend both of them, but maybe for slightly different audiences. And I'll start with um, the rehearsal, which is Nathan Fielder's new HBO show. He had Nathan uh, Nathan for You previously. If you saw that, it's his brand of humor. If you didn't see it, you can still watch this. Um, it's basically... Um, the premise is he creates a space, brings in these seemingly, you know, guinea pigs, whatever, to uh, rehearse for an event in their life, whether it's a conversation they have to have, something they're getting off their chest, um, a, a simulation of raising children. Like, I won't go into anything or spoil anything, but basically just this is the premise. And if you know his shows, like the premise is one thing and then like the cringe in human life that exists inside of it is is what you're actually watching and it's surreal and it's bizarro and there's multiple times that like you'll say what is this show and like more than you haha laugh out loud funny laugh like you just like cringe and gasp and you know it's that like i i've i've recommended it on this show before how to with jonathan wilson which i, I actually preferred um thought was better but he's an executive producer on this show and it's a similar style of just like get the footage and then figure out the story right it's like it's uh, again it's it's not so linear it's not so clean uh my wife said there was a point like somewhere around six episodes like the fourth episode where it felt like it took a turn um and that can be read in many ways but it's just like uh, it's it's worth a watch just because it is so unsettling and different and bizarre and it's part documentary turns into part like i won't spoil anything but self like memoir or self introspection as opposed to the other people i don't know it's just like it's weird and it's worth a watch if you want to if you get like a an episode maybe two episodes in if by the second episode you're like this is not for me just stop it don't go any further <laughs> um you know because it, it's ridiculous and it, it doesn't get less of that it just ramps up the whatever that is so that's my first recommendation um feel free to check that out my second recommendation i recommend for everyone every single person under the sound of our voice and listens to this podcast like not stop what you're doing but schedule some time find some time to watch mo on netflix it's one of my favorite pieces of of entertainment that i've consumed in years um it's good like it's definitely very good but it's just it's so easy and fun and great and like it, it's set in houston which i was shocked at the lack of things that are actually especially tv shows set in houston there was house of ho which was um kind of a ridiculous reality show um and i realized like there's not really a ton other than that right like there's just not like walker texas ranger may have had some episodes set there top chef houston was here um but otherwise there's just not like a ton of houston-based shows and so mo because it's a short list is definitively the most houston show i have ever seen by exponents it is such a like true representation this man loves houston and you see it on the screen loves texas but it's an odd vehicle to get there unless you intimately understand the story of houston which is he is a uh it's a relatively you know uh self-biographical um tale obviously you know some things aren't fully true and he, he goes you know further on some things than maybe real life but um he is a Palestinian immigrant who was born in Kuwait, fled the Gulf War, 
um, made it to Houston, was an asylum seeker for 20 years. So basically not a citizen, um, not illegal, but in the limbo status uh, for 20 years. And so it's like part of that is a part of it, the, the, the legal process. Part of it is being, you know, almost being having a comparable experience to like an undocumented immigrant while in a, a place that is much more likely you would be Hispanic than Palestinian. And so like the commonly being mistaken for a, a Mexican uh, guy and people speaking Spanish to you. So he learned Spanish. Um, like just all these stories are great. And it's like so Houston. And you can tell by the people who like co-star with him is his like most his best friend is the houston rapper who's you know taken the world by storm uh toby and wigway who who is great in it um and then like bun b makes an appearance and paul wall plays a security guard and it's so houston and it's so great and it tells like this really vital american story it tells this very vital human story there's not any Palestinian representation really in media. There's not a ton of like uh, Muslim American or Muslim general like stuff that makes it to us. Um, it's just stories that you don't hear, but it's also again set in a bunch of strip malls in Southwest Houston and is the most like Houston and, and kind of Texas story that I've seen in such a long time. And Oh, by the way, he's like hilarious. Dave Chappelle has called him like our nation's next great comedian. Like he's a great stand up. He's just, hilarious um but it's such a great watch they're like 30 minute breezy episodes it's so easy uh to to watch and you will not regret it i guarantee it doesn't matter where you're coming what lens you are bringing to the show it will be enjoyable it's on our list we've got so many shows that we need to catch up on uh, but there's always room for a comedy especially one that's set in texas always got room for that in my heart but that's all we've got for you this week kyle where can the good folks find you on the internet Oh, you can follow me on Twitter at Kyle Carbon. You can also follow the Texas Pregamer at Texas Pregamer. You can follow me on Twitter. I am at GH Goodridge. Follow the show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. Facebook and Instagram, the Longhorn Republic, or shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. We will be back again Saturday post game. It'll be late because it's a 7 p.m. kickoff. So we'll be back for a post game live stream. We'll also drop it in the podcast feed on Sunday. So we'd love to have you either listen live listen on the podcast feed or do both either way we'd love to have you thank you so much for tuning in again this week until then hook them hook them pacify the warhawks <laughs>